how happy is the blameless vessel's lot. The world forgetting by the world forgot. Eternal sunshine of a spotless mind. Each prayer accepted and each wish resigned. Is there any risk of brain damage? Well, uh, technically speaking, the procedure is brain damage, but it's, it's on a par with a night of heavy drinking. Nothing you'll miss. What won't I miss? Huh. It's time for a little... something. I forget. My notes say I'm Professor Robert E.G. Black, and I am here with Sarah Black, host of Life is a Playlist, and it's time to discuss Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. But they're erasing me, and I have no memory of any of this, so take it away. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) My guests aren't usually in the same room as me. That was good. Yeah. You're just like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. Am I supposed to say who I am? That was your cue. You're the host now. I don't even know who I am after Why that are you? Long I said discussion. who you were. You gotta just, just tell us about this minute of Eternal Sunshine. Oh, okay. Uh, Eternal Sunshine. So you're driving a car. Whew. It's dark. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, we've got Beck's 2004 song, Everybody's Gotta Learn Sometimes. The time on the clock is 6.52, but it's clearly winter or fall because it's very dark for 6.52 p.m. I think it's 6.52 in the morning. Oh, is that what it... Well, it's very dark the for 6.52 in the morning. The streets are very empty. That's really... I don't even know when it's that dark. It's 6.52 in the morning. Right, because it's... This is, <laughs> Where well, do they actually, live? We don't know what day this moment is. We can assume it's right after they broke up, uh, which... Actually, we don't know what day they break up. We know what we've seen so far was Valentine's Day, but this is previously. It could be summer. No, it's rainy. It rains in the summer. Where uh, are they? Sorry, I'm in LA. Yeah. Doesn't do that. <laughs> They're in New York. Oh, well, it rains in New York in the summer, but I don't think it's that dark. At Specifically, the- anyway. by the way, they are in Yonkers in this scene. Mm-hmm. The view through the windshield is heading south on Riverdale Avenue, past the intersection with Belvedere Drive. You would see a Dunkin' Donuts, I believe it is, just to the right, but the camera isn't pointed that way. And the big building on the right is the Peter Chima Senior Community Center. And yeah, the back song you already said is repeating. It's rainy. We're still getting some opening credits. Kate Winslet's name is still there as this minute begins and then dissolves. And we get Kirsten Dunst, which I thought was interesting Mm because I hadn't noticed until now that her Mm -hmm. name is above the title. Oh. Although it makes sense. Mary is the one who drives the end of the story. Yeah. She drives the ongoing plot. And I'm guessing he doesn't want to learn because he throws the cassette out the window. Yeah. And He turns it off and throws it out. (laughs) Or... Going back to, I mean, this is the show about memory and other stuff we were talking about yesterday is it might just be that song feels wrong to him. Yeah, probably It's something does. he forgot to give mm-hmm. them at the place because it was in his car. Yeah. And it's something that connects to her. Or, actually, this is before he's been erased, is that literally that has ties into her and so he mm-hmm. wants it gone. And it goes into, there's lots of movies that have that moment where people like turn the radio angrily because this song, romantic song comes on. My favorite one is from Date with an Angel. where. Yeah. Every song on the radio is about angels. Oh. <laughs> when you keep changing the channel. And every song is about the same thing. So what this minute reminded me of is very New York, I think, which is being alone in a sea of people. Although there's not much of a sea of people here, though. Well, There's a lot of parked yeah. cars. There's, I think we only see two other cars driving. That's the vibe it gave me. Yeah. No, I understand. It's clearly a very crowded place. Yeah, it's not Manhattan, it's- but it's clearly a city. It's clearly a place where there are usually a lot of people. There's a lot of parked cars. There's a community center that's rather big on the corner. I think Jim Carrey does great with his nonverbals. He's very like mm-hmm. with the subtlety. 
You have like the twitching of his arm. I think his, the his comedy his background made those parts work really well, even in for drama. His what? Oh, his, comedy, his comedy background. background. Like he has to be able to express himself with like a single expression yeah. of his face. And I think he does a great job of it. And, yeah. <laughs> and he is lit red, I assume, from a red light at the intersection. Those cars mm-hmm. not stop, notably. Get the different lights with the raindrops and you get different like colors. Now, I'm going to talk about the title later. Okay. When Mary quotes the poem, I will talk about the poem, Alexander Pope's Eloise to Abelard. But I'm wondering what you think of the title itself. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, like the actual film title. Yeah. You're like me, you like pretentious things, sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's almost like a very emo, like the long titles of songs, like kind of that vibe. Kind of disco yeah, vibe. it could have been like a Fallout Boy song, you know, like... <laughs> Which fits with the time period, because it's 2004. So well, even I the think... Beck song playing. Everybody's got to learn something. Right. It didn't have to have that long a title. Right. So, yeah, it, I guess it goes to the whole idea of just nothingness or coming from nothingness and returning to nothingness being that like bright white light that they always talk about in Death and Birth. Mm-hmm. And it's our, this would tie back to like religion and potentially Buddhism and things as well. It's our thoughts that are the source of our suffering. Yeah. So Right. As the spotless mind is when they've had things erased. But clearly, the movie is already, even though if we don't know what the movie's about, mm-hmm. up until this point, we don't know what the plot is. Mm-hmm. But knowing what the plot is, clearly their minds are not spotless. He woke up in a funk, as he right. says. He is clearly suffering from some sort of depression that day. As they said, it's like being hungover. And he seemed to have a miserable time on their conversation in the train and conversation in her apartment. So then the film then is- he's happy about it. So the film is making the argument that there is more to us than just our brain synapses and yeah. our memories. Because even if you erase those, then we're still left with the core. Well, right. Who we is are. that eternal sunshine something that's always there? Or does it come from the erasure? And is it- for them, are they going to be stuck in this loop forever? The mm-hmm. script suggests yes. The movie is like, they're going to try a second time. Maybe it'll be the same. But it leaves. It and leaves the erasure open. takes part in the other films as well. Hmm. Yeah, yeah he's erased, day, but he can't come back. Erased. Yeah, in Groundhog day. day, they're being erased each day. His memory, though, Phil's, is not erased, which yeah. is interesting. Well, if it were, it wouldn't be a very good time loop. Although that yeah. is a way of some time loops are set <laughs> mm-hmm. up, like classic one, Star Trek Next Generation, cause and effect. They only slowly realize they're in a time loop because they start to have feelings of deja vu. It's not yeah. that they recognize everything. So they have to gradually notice it. We get that car radio clock, our third clock of the week, 6.52. Yeah, so 6.52. <laughs> First, I will talk about the title. It's in minute 78 that she quotes Eloisa de Abelard, which is also referenced in being John Malkovich. I don't know why this has so much lead in. <laughs> okay, it's kind of interesting. In numerology, the number 652 is considered as the connection of two closed circles that represent infinity. <laughs> In addition, two circles are a symbol of duality and continuity. It's talking about the combination of the feminine and the masculine. I don't know how much the role of the feminine and the masculine take place in terms of or in the film with their relationship and there's, symbolism. <laughs> there's definitely room for a discussion about that later. In regards to the two of them, and also in the way that they don't always fit what we would consider the masculine and the feminine, as to who they are as people. I was wondering, as you were reading that, mm-hmm. whose version of reincarnation is it, or is it the pop culture version, where like the same people will keep coming back into each of your lives, and you keep oh. meeting each other? Is that like just the pop version? 
I don't know. We could definitely look that up. But yeah, people definitely talk about that now in like pop circles of discussion. Or people who like do past life readings and things like yeah, that. Like, it's common to like have Buddhism this. and stuff. Yeah. That reincarnation is all about you. It's not about how you meet with other people. But, but like you don't this- have to. It's not saying like you always will or you have to or everybody. Right. I mean, even if you subscribed to that idea, there are billions more people in the world than there even were like a couple generations ago or like a couple hundred years ago. So you're not going to know like all of the same people. And you're not going to have past lives in like all of the same places. But the idea that you could, like people talk about, say, the twin flame. So have you not heard of like the twin flame before? I don't know that name. I might know what you're talking about. So hold on, because I want to give an accurate description of this. So a twin flame is when essentially your soul is split into two bodies. And it's said when you have like an incredibly intense soul connection with another person, it's like your mirror soul or the person's other half, which is different from the idea of a soulmate. Well, that's like the... It's a soul split into parts that are mirrors of each other. the Aristotle thing that they do in Hedwig and the Angry Inch, the origin of love, is that we were these bodies that were Mm -hmm. part male and female or two different parts male, two different parts female, and then they all got split apart. And so Mm -hmm. we're all just looking for this other half. In the pop sense, people will talk about that if you are in a relationship that's like so intense that you feel like so drawn to the other person, but then you'll like break up, get back together, break up, get back together, because it's always just like so intense that you have to pull back that that's a potential like twin flame relationship Mm. that you're like extremely drawn and repelled. Like, kind of cyclically. Yeah. Here we have the repeat of Joel and Clem, of course, but also Mary and Mirzbeck. Mm-hmm. Is it He didn't have to keep her on as employee after they had a problem with their affair. He kept her nearby, and that's why it becomes a problem. When he shows up to help at middle of the night, he's not going to see her, and his wife gets angry. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this, this repeating circles or people choosing to do these things, which also comes down to Groundhog Day and movie structure in general. In a rom-com, we talked about this last right. time we were on this show, how men and women are written in rom-coms mm-hmm. are always these same sort of types that need certain things, and that's why they get together. Yeah. And so, of course, yeah, as long as Joel and Clem keep mm-hmm. meeting each other and they live like near each other, they're going to meet up. Yeah, and they would potentially be an example of a twin flame relationship because they are clearly like very intensely drawn and then mm-hmm. they can only handle each other for <laughs> a yeah. short amount of time and this cycle just repeats continuously. Right, that early relationship behavior works really well for the two of them. Mm-hmm. Once they settle, they can't handle each other. <laughs> and we get credit for Mark Ruffalo and then that's when the hand comes in a frame and it ejects the tape. Back song goes away and we get the main title theme, not the, it's really weird, this movie has two, it has a main title and then it has the theme. This is not the theme, which is music most people recognize if they know this movie. That comes in and he switches to the radio, 1010 AM, which is a real station in New York, WINS, which has been all news since 1965. It's one of the earliest radio channels to go that way. I put this in my notes just because that was interesting, but I'm not Mm -hmm. sure what it means. It's owned by CBS, but has been affiliated with ABC basically since it's been around. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of in between two different conglomerates of media, but it has maintained itself as a news station. So basically he's turning on the news. Yeah. Why? (laughs) Why would you turn on the news if you're not in a good mood? Turn on music. Well, he needs some emo music is what he needs. He needs to put Beck back on. 
I don't know. I think music can make you feel a lot more emotional. Yeah, is she trying to get out of the emotion? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we don't hear the news, so we don't know if what's on it. Yeah. If he turned it on, it was like, that day a bunch of people died. <laughs> that would be bad. Yeah. It's kind of messed up, but I feel like we're so bombarded with so much new, like we're so desensitized to it that hearing a sad song that's going to like evoke emotion or one that was like meaningful in your relationship is going to be a lot harder than hearing just like your general news stories of the day. Mm, yeah. He might also, might not have meant to turn on the news. He just switched it off the tape and that's the mm-hmm. station that he was well, last yeah. on. But that also tells us something about him. Mm-hmm. He listens to the news. Maybe he's on the way to work. No. He doesn't drive his car to work. He takes the train to work. Where's he going? <laughs> Why does he have a car? Yeah, I don't even know. I don't I mean, know. He doesn't live doing. in Manhattan, so having a car is not yeah. that bad. There's some nice shots here because this is a very dark scene. Not like some movies more recently where mm-hmm. new cameras are so good at getting light that oh. movies have gotten darker. Huh. We can actually see this. Yeah. He's, he's lit by street lights and stuff, or fake street lights. Yeah. Which is, I believe this is the movie where they didn't add lights, but they would add more versions of the same light that was there so that if there was a street light, they would get that mm-hmm. same kind of bulb and put a second one next to it. So it would be a little brighter, but yeah. they wouldn't do fake, like artificial lighting. And he's holding a set in his hand on the steering wheel, and then he, uh, he throws it out the window after we get Elijah Wood's credit, and we cut to it landing on the ground, and the car keeps driving past. So that also visual metaphor is the tape gets left yeah. behind, and he keeps going. Then we get an interesting credit that I thought was unusual because it's not how you mm-hmm. usually do it. We get an and Tom Wilkinson. And Tom Wilkinson is mm-hmm. fine because Tom Wilkinson's been around for a while. That's what you do for older actors. They negotiate that credit. But that's before we get four more stars listed after the and. Huh. Because <laughs> we get Jane Adams and David yeah. Cross and Deirdre O'Connell and Devin Ayer after that, which is a little weird for opening credits. And then we're inside the car behind Joel. It's dark and it's blurry. We get the casting credit, Jan McCarthy, who also worked on How and Why, Human Nature, Anomalisa, Synecdoche, mm-hmm. New York, and I'm thinking of many things. This is either yeah. all Gondry or Kaufman, or both. Yeah. Associate producers, Linda Fields Hill, Michael A. Jackman, costume designer, Melissa Toth, who also did How and Why, Synecdoche, New York, and I'm thinking of many things. We see Joel on, this is another thing you said, the subtle stuff mm-hmm. that Jim Carrey's doing. Yeah. We get his hands on the steering wheel and he lifts up his hands. Exactly. And just That's shaking. what I said, his hands. Just his hand shaking in the, in the shot. He's got like very, the, the hand shaking really isn't that subtle, but also just like very subtle facial expressions, mm-hmm. little face twitches. Yeah, he's doing a lot physically, but very like restrained. For a yeah. scene where we're barely <laughs> seeing him, yeah. he's just hunched over his steering mm-hmm. wheel. Yeah, he's putting a lot into it. And then we get music by John Bryan. Did Synecdoche, New York as well. Editor, Valdis Oscar's daughter. And then the camera pans to Joel's face, kind of silhouetted and lit from outside. And he's just got this like blank stare. And so he has gotten past that initial emotional moment. This minute is basically the point that he gets past the uh, denial phase, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's gone into the numb stage. But, yes. <laughs> and more credits, production designer, Dan Lee. Joel's eyes darting right and then forward again. So he's, he's looking around at things in the world. As we get director of photography, Alan Kuras, who I have talked about before because this mm-hmm. movie was all handheld, even when they mm-hmm. use a crane. It was a person on the crane holding oh, wow. camera. And a lot of the talking scenes were filmed with two cameras, one on him, one on Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. And they would just then edit it later, which makes for some weird editing that we've talked yeah. about <laughs> two scenes ago when they cut things out because oh. then we'll get weird jumps yeah. where suddenly she's the mood has changed. But that fits with sort of the theme of the movie is yeah. the way you remember things is you remember these bits and pieces, like after Yang as well. And Joe rubs his eyes and slides his hand down to his mouth and you get the executive producers listed at the end of the minute. 
David Bichelle, Charlie Kaufman, Glenn Williamson, and George's Berman. And that's it. Like the other minutes this week. It's very simple. And he wasn't waking up in bed. That's how the movie began. Yeah. But he was sort of waking up. Again, yeah. He was just, his was grief and sadness. And now he's sort of waking out of it. We're going to see. Which again ties back to all three of them are just them waking up, coming to slow realization of things, having to confront things within themselves, and doing so with clocks. Well, present. The present? Is that what she said? Yeah. Yeah. What are clocks? They put us in that specific right. moment. It is 6.52. Yeah. This is what happened at 6.52. It's like that bit from the end of Synecdoche, mm-hmm. New York, where the narrator is telling him, it is this time. Yeah. You are doing this. this. You're yeah. walking there. You're <laughs> looking at this. And everything is present tense. Right. Because that's all that's left is the yeah. present. He's about to die. And in this case, they're all yes. in these moments. This is the moment where Caleb is realizing what he's into. He met the robot yesterday, he had this conversation, it was intense, but now it's like the night and he's gotten to settle down, and it's still going. It even happens during the middle of the night. He can turn this on and stay up all night watching if he Mm -hmm. wants to. He's going to get exhausted, but he could do that. Phil is in that loop, and he doesn't know what it means yet. He doesn't even quite believe it's real Mm -hmm. yet. And Joel, he doesn't know what he can do about it yet, because the movie's taking its time getting there. But he knows he's got to do something. So he threw the tape away, turned on the news. He's back in the present doesn't matter what's on the news. What matters is it's the news. It's about what's happening now. In a movie that plays very much on our need and obsession with the past. Anything else? No. I feel like I should have done Eternal Sunshine a little more justice. <laughs> but I think that after Yang discussion just like took it all out of me. <laughs> That's fair. It happens. Yeah. Uh, until I get you back on these shows again. <laughs> <laughs> Till then, you can hear me on Life as a Playlist, or you can follow me on TikTok at com underscore lion. Thank you for listening. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for Minutia Ex Machina, every Wednesday for the Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute, and every Thursday for more Eternal Sunshine. And you can follow all three shows on one feed, Just search An Existential Trilogy. Follow this show on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Spotless Minute. This has been a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. Also, you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time. This is it, Joel. Oh, God. It's going to be gone soon. Okay, I know. What do we do? We're going off. Can you hear me? I don't want this anymore. I want to call it off. What was once before you, an exciting, mysterious future, is now behind you. Lived, understood disappointing. You realize you are not special. You have struggled into existence and are now slipping silently out of it. This is everyone's experience, every single one. The specifics hardly matter. Everyone is everyone. So you are Adele, Hazel, Claire, Olive. You are Ellen. All her meager sadnesses are yours. All her loneliness. The gray straw-like hair. 
her red, raw hands. It's yours. It is time for you to understand this. People who adore you stop adoring you as they die, as they move on, as you shed them, as you shed your beauty, your youth, as the world forgets you, as you recognize your transience, as you begin to lose your characteristics one by one, as you learn there is no one watching you and there never was, you think only about driving, not coming from any place, not arriving any place. Just driving, counting off time. Now you are here, it's 7.43. Now you are here, it's 7.44. Now you are gone.